Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. We're talking about a Midlands organisation that helps communities through the management of funds and donations that support hundreds of initiatives every year, at the same time tackling some of the toughest social issues on our doorstep. To tell me more about her organisation, the Heart of England Community Foundation, is its CEO, Tina Costello, who joins me on the line now. Good evening, Tina. Good evening to you. Thank you for inviting me onto the show. Not at all. Thank you for your time this <laughs> evening. Now, for, I would imagine most people, with all due respect, haven't heard of the Heart of England Community Foundation. So tell me about the organisation and what you do. Yeah, you're probably right there. And we are a charity that raises income to benefit communities across the whole West Midlands and Warwickshire. We're play-based, so what that means is that all the money that we raise as a charity stays here in our region and we redistribute it out to community and voluntary organisations. So you're a charity and, as you say, you redistribute these funds. Where do you get your mm-hmm. funds from? How do you go about it? Is that through funding bids or, or do you literally, you know, almost go out begging, I suppose? I don't mean to say it like that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> We're not a charity that generally works with the general public. We do deliver programs. So just as an example, we have got such a range of donors, Clive. We've got corporates such as Wesleyan Insurance, Coventry Building Society, IM Properties. We work with private donors who live in our region who want to give back. But we do also bid for tenders from Birmingham City Council, Solihull Council and central government. So um, lots of different diverse funds that we manage. So how long has the organisation been in existence, Tina? We were born on the 14th of February 1995. So we've been running for 27 years, and I hope that's 27, Clive, and I haven't added it up wrong no good asking me uh, maths was never my strong point (laughs) it is 27 years you're quite right (laughs) to put some context on it so in the first couple of years so 95 to 97 the foundation distributed 2000 pounds roll on to 2022 and we've just delivered just over three million pounds in the last financial year to 600 community organizations so without breaching so we've definitely grown Without breaching no, any, any data protection, what's, you know, who, who kind of gets this money? You talk about community organisations, such as whom, for example? Well, actually, um, everything that we fund, we do get permission, so I can talk about a couple, but I thought it would be really good to focus on the black country, as I'm on black country radio. So just a little example. We delivered a £5 million programme across the black country, which was European money co-financed by the lottery. And that was to help the really long-term unemployed back into work. Mm -hmm. We worked with 17 local partners based in the black country. Brilliant programme. We got people into jobs, into employment and into volunteering. But on a smaller level, just a few examples. Women of Wolverhampton were awarded to start their face-to-face meetings. Friends of Dive Kitchen providing hot meals to vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. Warsaw Bereavement Support to support counselling services for young people. Deaf World coaching sessions in cricket for young people who are hearing impaired. So what I was trying to give you is, is the, the breadth of what we fund. People say to me, oh, Tina, what, 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 what causes do you, 
but what we fund are community organisations mm-hmm. doing brilliant work at the heart of their local communities. And it's very clearly not individuals, as you say, but if you're if you're an individual that's part of a working group, let's use let's use returning to uh, employment for example, that would yes. need you know um, help and guidance with you know interview technique, uh, CV writing, uh, role play, confidence boosting as well, which is a big thing because if you've been unemployed for a long period of time, your your confidence invariably goes. Um, and if an organisation, I guess, um, offers um, support with, you know, appropriate clothing for interviews and things like that, I guess that's where this funding comes in, for example. Correct. You are absolutely spot on. Um, a lot of around the long-term unemployed was about confidence. It could be that you've been in manufacturing for years and suddenly, you know, you're faced with accessing the internet. So we did lots of digital inclusion, lots of CV writing and coaching and confidence. Yes. And then we link with other organisations like Suited for Success in Birmingham. They support people with really good clothes for interviews. And, you know, if you're feeling good, that's your first start before you even step through the door. You're right. We don't fund individuals with our open grant making, but we do support organisations that help people. Something I was comforted to see only a couple of weeks ago, where I live, my local supermarket has a concessionary um, dry cleaning store inside. Uh, so it's a separate company. Right. Um, but they uh, had a sign up to say that if somebody was going for an interview and they could prove that they were going to an interview, um, this com- particular company would clean uh, their interview attire for them free of charge. So I thought that was a rather nice thing to do. So it demonstrates that there's all sorts of kinds of help out there, particularly for people you know, looking to return to work. But of course, it's a broader spectrum than that, isn't it, really? Yeah, but that's lovely. And what you're demonstrating is that Everything doesn't is not always financial. It's mm. not always about money, just what you've said. Well, it is financial because you haven't got to pay for the dry cleaning, but it's offering services. It's like, you know, there's organisations that support homeless. They have chiropodists, they have hairdressers. So it, it is sometimes that extra support, not just around, around money. So, yeah. Sure. How do you choose, though, Tina, uh, the organisations that you support, or do they make a bid to you, for example? So, the way it works is we, the, all applications come to us and we have grants officers that assess the application mm-hmm. and then it goes to independent decision-making panels. So, particularly in the Black Country, we have the Birmingham and Black Country panel. People around those tables are from Birmingham and the Black Country. They could be the, from Wolverhampton Council for Voluntary Service. They know what's going on in their communities. Mm-hmm. It's really important to us that the decision makers understand the communities that we're trying to support. So all independent, and then we have a separate one for Coventry, Solihull and Warwickshire. Sure. Also people from the area who understand the needs of communities. So we don't actually make decisions on any of the applications that come in. Right, I'm with We're you. very transparent in yeah in the way. And that I we suppose deliver. you have to be really because it's. It, I, I guess you're you're close to being you know accused of, of bias and favoritism. So having it done independently removes that, doesn't it? And it increases your transparency. Absolutely. So, for example, yes, then, does, just so. humour me on this. Let's say I started up a charity to teach homeless <laughs> people um, who wanted to come off the streets and to mm-hmm. uh, begin, begin an independent way of living. And let's say my charity taught okay. them how to cook. Uh, okay. And I'd got kitchens, uh, but I hadn't got, you know, money for, for the food and what have you, and, you know, the qualified trainers in order to deliver that. 
I guess this is something yeah. I could then make make a, a, a proposal, a bid for, uh, to get funding to help support. That is exactly the type of projects that we support, yes. I'm with you. And actually, I know we're going to talk about Black Country Women's Aid in a bit, but mm. yeah, it's about sometimes homeless people, it is about the holistic services, like budget budget management, how to cook healthy meals. So yeah, we would absolutely support your, your charity, Clive. <laughs> so, I mean, what sort of feedback do you get from the organisations that you support? Because, you know, you must be quite literally a lifeline, I suppose. I'd like to think, you know, we are still relatively give relatively small grants but you know i wasn't going to talk about it but i can't help it if i can just talk about the pandemic just for a moment Mm. we were a lifeline for the west midlands and warwickshire we distributed over six million pounds to 1395 projects so you'll probably sense my frustration that i was just so relatively unknown Mm. we do some brilliant work um so yes I would say we were a lifeline. Also, Clive, we generally support smaller organisations, organisations volunteer-led, doing great work. But you know what? Filling out application forms is really time-consuming. So what we are trying to do is to make the application process as simple as possible. But we have to bear in mind that the majority of the money we manage is from donors, so we do have to make sure it's going to the right organisation. Do, do donors ever ask you, you know, that perhaps they might say, I donated X amount to you in the last financial year. How have you used my money? That's a very good question, um, which is very easy to answer. We are engaged with all of our donors. Some donors sit around the table and are in joint decision-making, Some donors, everybody gets an annual bespoke report which details where their funds gone with case studies. What I'm finding now with donors, it's it's not really about the money because they know we're spending their money. What they want to know is, has it actually made a difference? Mm -hmm. Has it made an impact on a local level? So we're really keen to get case studies from the organisations we support and good news stories. So yes, we are fully engaged with all of our donors. And how much of an impact how much of an impact mm. um just i like to think a big impact we just had an evaluation actually client mm. over the last three years it's really important for us to know who we're reaching but who we're not what are the gaps in our geography we excluded the pandemic year because if i'm being honest with you it would have made us look really good <laughs> because we distributed six million pounds for the national emergency trust Gosh. Generally, we had, I know, um, there was definitely no furlough for us. We were doing weekly decision-making for nine months. But you know what? It was worth it. It was worth it to support our communities. Just a few little things from our evaluation, which I'm really proud of. Uh-huh. So for every pound a donor gives the foundation, we redistribute 93 pence. I think that's pretty good. I see. So it's showing, you know, that we're really good value for money. We try and keep our operating costs low. Since we began, we've distributed £32 million and benefited probably around two and a half million people. That That is so some the, testament, isn't it, really? I Yeah, I, I, I think so. Last year, we distributed £3 million to 605 community organisations. I'm so sorry, I... I'm sorry if my phone's pinging, excuse me. No, it's fine, carry on. 
sorry. Um, so, yeah, we do make a big impact, but because we're not, you know, a huge funder, we're not the National Lottery, we're not children in need, what we need to make sure is our money is having the impact where it's needed most. So what our evaluation has done is identified gaps for us, not just in geography, but in communities of interest that we would like to support. So I'm going to make a little plug now. We are going back out on the road. We are going to be doing workshops in the four black country areas. If anybody is listening and they'd really like to know more about us, go onto our website, sign up for the newsletter, and you can come and join us in September. We're going to help groups, not just with what we've got on offer, but actually what makes a good application form. Sometimes we find groups are absolutely brilliant at delivery, but they have to have lots of policies and procedures. So we're supporting organisations with that too. So yes, we're out on the road in the black country in September, and we would love to meet community organisations that we haven't funded before in particular. Lovely. Well, we'll we'll give your website a shout out to, uh, a, a shout out in a moment. I just want to go right back, um, Tina, to day one. Where did you get the idea from to set this company up? Because it sounds to me it's pretty unique. Oh, it wasn't me. <laughs> I wasn't here at the beginning. <laughs> I was with another large grant maker. <laughs> right. So, to what do you know? What do you know of the company's inception? Oh, I know a lot. So. Community foundations cover the whole of the UK. Mm -hmm. So every part of the UK has a community foundation, but we all have our own geography. So ours is the West Midlands and Warwickshire. It is an American movement. So um, it started in Silicon Valley and very, very heavily supported by Bill Gates. And then gradually in the UK, they started to be set up. So that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. Somebody in Coventry went to a briefing and they said, oh, we like the sound of this community foundation. And ta-da, there we are. I think we're lucky because we've always been hosted by a major motor company, so our operating costs have always been low. So we, we've grown there. So that's how it all started, an American movement. And, and here you are 27 years later. 20, well, we were actually the foundation, Clive, for Coventry and Warwickshire mm -hmm. until 2015. So that may be why our footprint is a little lower across Birmingham and the Black Country. Sure. Um, sadly, Birmingham Community Foundation closed down, so we took over the geographical areas. So we've really grown in the last few years. You know, over three and a half million people. Yeah, Clearly... I'm mm -hmm. sure you won't be shocked when you hear that I am a Brummie. So, <laughs> so for me, to work for a charity that actually helps people from where I'm from, what more could I ask for? Absolutely. You know, and, everybody and, that works for the foundation, we're all from the West Midlands, and that's which I you, think makes it really special. That's right, and yeah. that's what you said earlier on. It, you, you keep the money within the West Midlands area, you know, so yes. that's important. I think it's important for the individuals, individual organisations, but also for the people who are donating, donating as well. Now, you talked, or you mentioned Absolutely. earlier on about Black Country Women's Aid. You've done a lot of work with them. Um, tell me about the oh. help that you provided and, and supported them with, because they've been on Friday Night Clive in the past. I mean, they're just a fabulous organisation. Can, can I can I briefly tell you the story? Please it's do. A really great story. Please do. 
it's it's a career moment for me. Um, it's probably never going to happen again. But in 2017, my work phone rang, and somebody on the other end of the line said, "Tina, would you like four million pounds?" When I got up off the floor, <laughs> I said, "Sorry," they said. Would you like four million pounds? But we will remain anonymous, and the donors have remained anonymous and always will. But there was a caveat: three million of this money has to be awarded to three organisations that support people with vulnerable housing. So we put out a grant program. Black Country Women's Aid applied along with eleven others. Um, it was narrowed down to three. So we were able to give Black Country Women's Aid eight hundred thousand to buy their building, which gives them sustainability to create the most beautiful well-being space and garden for when women arrive. You know, women that have been rescued from modern slavery. It's a beautiful space. And last year, Sarah gave me the honour of cutting the ribbon, and I, I honestly mean this on my heart. It was a real moment for me. Mm. The other two awards were YMCA Birmingham. We funded 26 move-on flats for homeless people that are ready to get back into the job market. And St Basil's Youth Homeless Charity, who've opened a Live Life Work Hub in Coventry, where there was a real lack of accommodation for young homeless, and that now houses 32 young people, hopefully to have much better lives. So yes, it was um, a one-off donation. The other money, in case you're adding it up, is that the other thing that we do as a foundation is that we grow investments. Mm -hmm. So in a hundred years' time, I want the Heart of England Foundation to be still here. So our investments are named funds from people who leave us legacies. So we have set up a legacy, which is um, a fund for the homeless in perpetuity. So yeah, that was um, that was a great day for me. <laughs> and, and so it should be. I mean, that that that's true. I mean, not yeah. not every not every day that somebody rings you up and says, you know, would you like four million pounds or whatever it was. I might have had a little cry. Oh, well, I, th <laughs> I I think I'd have done more than that if that had happened to me. If I'm perfectly honest with you, maybe a little dance around the office. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, obviously there was a lot of work to do. Oh, I mean, of course. Do you know what? There's a um, tremendous amount of responsibility of <laughs> on you, though, isn't it, to actually use this money oh, and execute yeah. it effectively? We worked with the, with the donors throughout the whole process. But the story doesn't end there. Mm -hmm. um, because we do realise donors' visions and wishes, because that's what we do, they were so over the moon with us that they actually gave us uh, a further 1.6 million. Brilliant. Yeah, which we, ha again, have invested. And what we do, we spend the interest on our endowments on community projects. So, yeah, it was um, a one-off lifetime thing for me. Just fabulous. So you say But they right. didn't turn up. Uh, one of the uh, newspapers, who I won't mention, mm -hmm. it was in the press that they turned up at our office with a suitcase. Can I just say, for the record, that did not happen. It was a little bit more work than that. <laughs> right, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, we'll put that one out there. But, now, you, were saying, yeah. you were saying earlier on that you're out and about it across the black country in September. Mm. Uh, what other mm. projects have you got planned for the remainder of this year? In terms, well, so my role is predominantly income generation, mm -hmm. so my task this year is to attract new donors who love this region as much as we do you know things are difficult we're post-pandemic we've got the big project that we're doing actually sorry Clive um 
I'm very concerned about the cost of living and energy for so many of our communities. You know, if you think of community buildings, community venues, and suddenly their utility costs are going through the roof. So we will be doing an appeal around August, September time, which will be asking and encouraging people who genuinely don't need their rebate to donate it into an appeal for us to distribute to organisations that will help families and people in crisis. That's a I really don't think thing. we're there yet. I, no. I think the autumn, when we start to get the colder weather, I think that's when the impact's going to be. So that's a big thing for us this year. And there's also talk about the energy price cap being increased again in October, uh, which is when it's yeah. normally done, I think, each year. So, you know, there's an awful lot of re-evaluation that people will have to do when they find out how their energy yeah. bills will increase. Um, you know, let's hope we have yeah. a mild winter. I hope so. It is worrying. And as a foundation, so when we have the pandemic, constitutionally, our role is to respond so I feel that we have a duty and care to respond to our communities through the cost of living and energy. So, yes, an appeal and whatever else I'm thinking of doing at the minute to make things better for people. Super. Give your website a shout-out, uh, uh, Tina, if you will. www.heartofenglandcf.co.uk Heart of England cf.co.uk C for Charlie, yeah. F for Freddie, yes. Yeah. Can I just, just add, mm. um, I've been in grant making for a long time and, and I know that it takes time to fill out applications. We're a really friendly, approachable team. If anybody's listening who's thinking, oh, I might apply to the heart of him, can I encourage them to either email, pick up the phone and talk to us before you apply? Okay. Just to make sure that the, that the project's eligible. It really upsets me when voluntary groups spend loads of time filling out forms to turn out that they've gone for the wrong programme. So please call us. We'd love to hear from you. What's your phone number, Tina, as well, please? Uh, um, don't, don't, well, we've just changed phone numbers. They're all on the website. We use Teams now, but they are all listed. Right, okay, I'll, uh, I'll find that out. Because not, not, that's okay, not everybody uses the internet, you see, no, for various reasons. So that, uh, no. that's fine. I will find your phone number and I'll give that a mention in a short while. Um, so uh, that's... Actually, no, no, no. Have you found I have it? the number. I have. Go on then. 024077 mm-hmm. 800520. So 024-77 eight double zero five two zero that's correct lovely and your website again heart of england cf.co.uk that's correct tina costello from the heart of england community foundation thank you very much for talking to friday night clive that is your lot for this episode you can catch the program live every friday night on black country radio from 8 p.m If you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by Clive Payne and produced by Andy Caddick.